Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my lovely listeners. I am so happy and thankful that you're still sticking around after my flakiness from two weeks ago. Since then, I have been listening to Plato's Republic, as well as some of Plato's The Laws, and I want to get into eventually how Plato was thinking at the time of writing the Critias and Timaeus. He does have the same rare personality type as me, so I feel like I may have some unique viewpoints on understanding Plato. This episode is mainly going to be focusing on the Rishat Structure Theory. It was made popular by Jimmy from the YouTube channel Bright Insight, whom I've linked in my episode description. Jimmy cites a show from the Gaia channel, who also places Atlantis as the Rishat structure. While my own eyes lit up when I found this theory, I eventually was able to take it and break it down and think about it logically with what I already knew. For those who may hold on to your beliefs, I want you to keep them. I'm not trying to disprove your deeply held beliefs. Merely, I'm following the science and forming my opinion on quantifiable facts. Emotionally based decisions are the hardest decisions to change without an equally powerful emotion. Just for clarification, I wanted the rich out structure to be Atlantis. I tried really hard to make the rest of the story fit. Sadly, when I started taking away from other known descriptions to fit my own narrative, I'm not really doing science a justice. Instead, I'm sending people on wild goose chases and potentially causing more harm than good. I am taking what I know from Plato and other ancient writers to try and find that needle in a haystack. I know that most scholars write off Atlantis as a moral story from the imagination of Plato, but I want to truly believe in it. I want Atlantis to be true just as much as I want to own my very own dragon eggs and ride my very own dragon to work. However, I can also follow the science and accept that dragons may actually be extinct and were probably just snakes and not the really cool fire-breathing dragons from Game of Thrones. Just because science leads us to a place that our imagination does not, does not mean it should be discredited. Let our love and our passion follow us, but let our eyes and our ears be open to facts. In 2018, Jimmy from the YouTube channel Bright Insight rocked the internet with the claim that Atlantis had been found in the middle of the Sahara, known as the Eye of Africa, or the Rishat Structure. The Rishat Structure is a prominent circular geological feature in the Sahara Adro Plateau in northwest Africa. In the local dialect, Rishat means feather and it is also known locally in Arabic as Taganese. Taganese refers to the circular opening of a leather pouch used to draw water from local wells. Geologists describe the structure as an eroded geological dome, 40 kilometers or 25 miles in diameter, exposing sedimentary rock in layers which appear as concentric rings. 
Work on dating the structure was done in the 1990s. Renewed study of the formation of the structure confirmed the conclusion that it was not an impact structure. The circular distribution of ridges and valleys is explained as the formation of ridges by the differential erosion of alternating hard and soft rock layers uplifted as a dome by an underlying alkaline molten rock complex of the Cretaceous Age, or, in other words, 145 to 66 million years ago. The geologist initially believed that the Eye of the Sahara was a blow crater that was created when an object from space struck the surface. However, the long studies of rocks within the structure showed that their origins were entirely Earth-based. According to field mapping and the Earth's magnetic field data, rocks form two concentric ring dikes. The inner ring dike is about 20 meters or 65 feet in width and lies about 3 kilometers or 1.86 miles from the center of the Rishat structure. The outer ring dike is about 50 meters or 164 feet in width and lies about 7 to 8 kilometers or about 5 miles from the center of the structure. 32 dikes and stills have been mapped within the Rishat structure. The dikes are generally about 300 meters or 184 feet long and typically 1 to 4 meters or 3 to 13 feet wide. These rocks have been dated as having been cooled between 94 and 104 million years ago. There are intrusive indigenous rocks that are interpreted as being in the presence of a large alkaline lava rock intrusion that currently underlies the Rishat structure and creates it by uplifting the overlying rock. Millions of years ago, volcanic activity from deep beneath Earth's surface lifted the entire landscape around the eye. These regions were not deserts as they are today. Instead, they are more likely to be more temperate, with abundant flowing water, layered sands with abundant flowing water. Layered sandstone rocks were deposited by blowing winds and on the bottoms of lakes and rivers during the temperate. The subsurface volcanic flow eventually pushed up the overlying layers of sandstone and other rocks. After the volcano had died down, wind and water erosion began to eat away at the domed layers of rock. The region began to settle down and collapse in on itself creating the roughly circular eye feature. The ancient rocks within the Eye of the Sahara have provided researchers with the information about its origins. The earliest formation of the eye began when the supercontinent Pangaea began to pull apart. As Pangaea broke up, the Atlantic Ocean waters began to flow into the region, while Pangaea was slowly pulling apart magma from deep beneath the surface began to push up from Earth's mantle, which formed a circular-shaped rocky dome surrounded by layers of sandstone. As erosion took its toll on the indigenous rocks and sandstones, and as the dome subsided, circular ridges were left behind, giving the Rishat structure its sunken, circular shape. Today, the eye is somewhat sunken below the level of the surrounding landscapes.
Plato says that the total diameter of Atlantis was 27 stadia in diameter. That would be the center island, that is 5 stadia total. The inner water zone was 1 stadia, followed by land, that was 2 stadia, and another ring of water, which was 2 stadia, and the last land circle that was 3 stadia with its additional water band of 3 stadia. The Rishat structure is 127 stadia in diameter. To reach this number, Jimmy takes the 27 stadia in diameter, then additional 50 stadia from the center for, I'm assuming, the low-sided mountain. This could stretch the entire diameter to gain the extra 100 stadia needed to make the 127 stadia. However, according to Plato, the entire Atlantic City could fit within the center circle of the Rishat. Mathematically, it just doesn't fit, as much as I would like to align with Jimmy. Plus, Jimmy's hypothesis relies solely on the Ice Age Atlantis theory. By now, you must have the same conclusion as me with the invention of riding, war chariots, horse taming, and boats, and notably the triremes. As a refresher, this is what Plato says about the dimensions of the city. The whole country was very elevated and rainy on the side of the sea, but the country immediately about and surrounding the city was a level plain. The plain was surrounded by mountains that descended towards the sea. The plain was smooth and even and of an oblong shape, extending in one direction 294 miles or 3,000 stadia, but across the center inland it was 2,000 stadia or 196 miles. So now let's rearrange these words so that it's a bit more clear. The entire city and the plain were on a piece of land that was very elevated from the rest. Where the sea met the land, there were low elevation of mountains, and it was very rainy. However, when you come further inland, there was a level plain. The plain was smooth and even and of a rectangular shape. The length of the plain was 3,000 stadia, and the width was 2,000 stadia. The plain was, for the most part, rectangular, and there was a circular ditch at the location where the plain fell out of a straight line. Surrounding this level plain, there was a canal of about one stadia that was fed by streams that came from the mountains, that met at the center of the plain where there was a city and then it emptied into the sea. Near the plain, at a distance of about 50 stadia, there was a mountain, not very high, on any side. The fact that this plain had one stadium-wide ditch all around it, but met at the city and then released into the sea gives me the impression that the city was not located directly in the center, but I think it was located in that circular ditch. Now let's picture this. In Libya, near the Atlas Mountains, by the edge of the ocean, there was an elevated level plain that traveled east and west. On the north side, there are the Atlas Mountains that descend in elevation as it gets closer to the ocean. On the west side of the plain, near the center, there was a circular ditch. That water from the mountains released by the entry canal into the city that reaches the ocean. On the east side of the plain, there was a mountain not very high on any side. 
This would be about 3,000 stadia plus the 50 stadia away from the main city. Even if we make the plane run north and south, that low mountain would still be 2,000 stadia plus 50 stadia away. Unless, of course, this low-level mountain was eventually the same mountain that became carved out and was on Clato's Island. The Rishat structure is in a valley, and there are no visible canals that should be visible or at minimum have a faint remnant of what once was. 10,000 stadia is a lot of land to just disappear, I guess sunk beneath the sea, leaving nothing but a shoal of mud in the way? Even with this shoal of mud, or my theory of soil liquefaction, there should have been something left behind, just like Port Royal or Hiliki. I understand that most people, including myself, want Atlantis to be true. This does not mean that we should be grasping at straws and try to make connections that aren't there. Finding remnants and making something out of nothing only does more harm than good. For the Rishat structure to be true, we would need to accept the Ice Age Atlantis theory, then add some wishful thinking, like if we raise the land and if the waters can be raised to make this object underwater. There's a lot of ifs. The other misleading information that Jimmy gives is the whale bones. While that seems like it would solidify his hypothesis, he never really tells you where those bones were found. Spoiler alert, it was right by the shore of the ocean. We can have elevation and water. As someone who is driven on a mountain, I have seen lakes with an elevation of 1500 feet. Again, we're looking for a lake within a city inside of the lake. Surrounding the lake should be an irrigated plain. Another misleading bit of information Jimmy gives is that the Sahara sand is seabed sand. Geological data says that the sand is erosion from rock, probably from the extensive sand storms that frequent the Sahara. There isn't evidence to suggest that the Sahara once was underwater. Furthermore, the salt deposits that he claims are so remarkable are natural. As anyone can see who has looked at Google Earth by Salt Lake City, Utah, fish and track dating has taken place at the formation of the Rishat structure to be about 130 million years ago. Jimmy points out that a square-like structure he claims is a castle but also within this structure are arrowheads, copper jewelry, spheres, and pottery. I would very much like to see the carbon dating on some of these objects. Scientists agree that the earliest use of copper started around 8000 BCE. Copper trade in the Sahara started around 400 CE. This would be about 800 years after Plato for context. Furthermore, we still need Athens as they were reported to be the leaders of the Athenian-Egyptian-Atlantean War. We would also need the domestication of horses and war chariots. Urbanism first occurred around 3700 BCE in Mesopotamia after a long period of slow growth from their settlements. Various technologies like agriculture, horse riding, shipbuilding, artillery, and writing 
had not yet been invented at the end of the Younger Dryas. To have the Rishat structure fit the narrative, we only have to hold on to the 9,000 years ago theory and ignore so many others. I find it entertaining how Jimmy could bring up the entry canal to the south but ignore the fact that Plato very specifically names triremes. Not once, but twice. I did a quick look up on the internet on earthquakes near Odin, Mauritania, which is where the Rishat structure is, and found that there were only 12 earthquakes felt since the 1900s, and the highest magnitude was 4.6. The earthquake at Port Royal, Jamaica was a 7.5 magnitude. The fault lines themselves are not anywhere near the Rishat structure, making it hard to sink beneath the sea to become an impassable shoal of mud. Remember, in order for soil liquefaction to occur, it needs to be in the presence of a strong earthquake. The picture that Jimmy shows of the quote-unquote tidal wave that has pushed all the Sahara sand is actually from wind. I've included in the episode description a website that shows the current wind trajectory. You can feel free to look for yourself. I do think that Jimmy was on the right track with some of the information provided and that he was able to spark new vigor into an old subject. Jimmy did bring up some great points, and I want to expand on it later, such as King Atlas or Atlan, who was the king of Mauritania. But sadly, I don't think the Rishat structure was, at any point in time, Atlantis. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9 p.m. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you. It's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. Was born in the year 470 BCE and died in 399 BCE. He was a Greek philosopher from Athens and died by ingesting hemlock after being found guilty by trial for two charges. Those charges were impiety against the pantheon of Athens and corruption of the youth of the city-state. The accusers cited two impious acts by Socrates, failing to acknowledge the gods that the city acknowledges, and introducing new deities. He is credited as the founder of Western philosophy and among the first moral philosophers of ethical tradition of thought. Socrates authored no texts and is known mainly through posthumous accounts of classical writers, particularly his students Plato and Xenophon. These accounts are written as dialogues in which Socrates and his interlocutors examine a subject in the style of question and answer. They gave rise to the Socratic dialogue literary genre.